It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God, regardless of where they are in the journey. So they ask for more faith. Many people pray for it. Other people say, if I come to church, maybe I'll just serendipitously get it. However, the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us. So our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. Hallelujah. Come on, wherever you are, if you're free, would you give him worship? Oh, come on, wherever you are, if you're free, would you give him worship? Let the redeemed of the Lord say something. Oh, come on, the Lord in heaven, he dwells in the midst of your praise. The fruit of your lips, not mine, the fruit, not theirs, but the fruit of your lips, giving him praise and thanks. Is there anything that he's done that you're thankful for? Is there anything that he's done that he's worthy of the glory for? Then open your mouth and give him a praise. Put it on your lips. Hallelujah. You're holy, you're worthy, you're wonderful. Nobody like you. Thank you that we're free. Thank you that we're redeemed. Thank you that we're healed. Thank you that we're saved. Thank you that you've given us life and life everlasting. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, this is the day the Lord has made. I don't know about you, but I rejoice and I am glad in it. Listen, you know, when we sing these songs, it's not just stuff we're singing. They're declarations. They're pronouncements. And sometimes you all listen. Let me say this. Sometimes you've got to say to your soul, bless the Lord. Circumstances, situations, life, all of that will make you not want to give God the glory that he deserves. And sometimes you gotta, you got to remind your soul who's in charge. And you got to say, I will bless the Lord at all times. That means no matter what's going on, I'm going to make a conscious decision to bless the Lord. Not when it's good, not when stuff is all right, but at all times. Because he's good all the time. Amen. We thank God and we honor the Lord. And let me just say this. I never take for granted, none of us do, those of you that have continued to worship with us, to be a part of our online church and community, not only the Citadel of Faith family, we miss you so much, but so many of you that are not uh, members of our church, but that you are kind of part of our virtual family. And so for all of you that watch and worship with us every week, we are so thankful and we're so humbled uh, by your being with us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, your name is holy. And we bless your holy and righteous name. For there's no other name under heaven that we can call and be saved other than your name. And so, God, we pause to say to you that we thank you for giving us your word. Your word is your will. Your word is the full essence of you. And so we thank you, God, that your word is a lamp to our feet, a light on our path. How can we be uncertain about which way to go when there are big headlights on our feet and big lamps on the pathway? And your word is that. So let's not build our lives, God, on friends and what they say and the media and what it says. Let's not even build our lives on what our bodies or our bank accounts say. We build our life on your word. So let your word do what it always does. Let it speak and let us forever be changed because of it. And it's in the name above all others that we pray in Jesus' name. All that agree with that said amen and amen. Give the Lord praise wherever you are. Like for real. Like for real. Give amen, amen, amen. So grateful. And so thankful for all of you that have been journeying with us through the book of Revelation. We have been uh, going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. And for many people, I talk to so many of my pastor uh, friends and colleagues who say to me, so uh, what have you been preaching? What kind of uh, hot topics have you been preaching during uh, uh, the pandemic to keep your folks engaged? And I know you got someone. 
I said, I've been preaching the book of Revelation verse by verse. They said, excuse me? Uh, I said, uh, yeah. And you all, let me just say to you, particularly Citadel of Faith uh, family, thank you so much for your maturity. Uh, because many times, you all, it, it, it takes a lot of catchy phrases and sometimes catchy series to keep people engaged. And I know it's important to be interesting, um, but you all, if we don't learn the word of God, and if we don't learn the full kind of counsel of the word, not kind of cherry picking those passages that we like the most, uh, we really won't have an accurate view of the word. And, and ultimately, we won't have an accurate view of God. If God indeed has revealed himself through his word, then how in the world can we know him if we do not know his word? Let me say that again. If God has revealed his character, nature through his word, and we don't know his word, then we really don't know God. Uh, and therefore, people end up making God who they want him to be. And so I'm so excited for all of you all that have been journeying with us. So we're in Revelation chapter 19, uh, and we're almost done, y'all. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Revelation chapter 19. Uh, beginning at verse 11. I encourage those of you who uh, don't normally uh, read along in a Bible of any kind to download a Bible on your device, your phone, your tablet, your computer. Uh, it's so easy to have so many different translations available right at your fingertips, literally. No excuse anymore. People used to say stuff like, I don't know what, I don't know what no Christian bookstores, I don't know where I can get a Bible. You, can get, you got a phone, you got a Bible. Uh, Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he brings, he, with justice he judges and wages war. Wow. Uh, his eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the wine presses of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair. Come, gather together for the great supper of God so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and the mighty of horses and their riders and the flesh of all people, free and slave, great and small. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. <laughs> all right. I want to talk from the subject today. Jesus revealed Jesus and if I could put a subtext to that it would be give me the word give me the word you are the first time John sees an open heaven was in Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 if your mind can go back to that when the voice called to him and said come up hither or come up and I will show you things that are going to happen in the future. Now you all, after the seals have been opened and the trumpets uh, judgments have happened and the bold judgments have happened, now he once again sees heaven open, not for him now to be carried up to see what's in it, but for now Jesus to come down to the earth. You all, I'm so excited now we get to see Jesus coming back 
to the earth. You all, uh, there have been so many instances that we've seen of Jesus, how he looks and how he is depicted and how he is displayed. And I remember one time saying that uh, we've never seen Jesus' picture uh, whipping the people out of the, uh, the temple. You know, you don't really see that on a church fan. Some of y'all don't know nothing about church fans, but back in the day, we had church fans and they would always have the little girl with the little hand and little, the little family. But they also would have Jesus knocking at the door or having a lamb around his uh, neck. But I ain't never seen a, a picture of Jesus with uh, fire coming out of his eyes uh, and a sword coming out of his mouth, nor him beating people out of the temple. Because again, you all, this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation is not a revelation of Satan. It's not a revelation of the Antichrist. It's not a revelation of all these terminologies about eyes on, on animals. It is a revealing of Jesus Christ, another aspect of him that we would not normally see or know if the scriptures didn't give it to us. And so you all, to understand the fullness of who Jesus is, we need to understand the full counsel of what the word of God says about him. And so in the book of Revelation, we see a different depiction of Jesus. Uh, we see a different kind of way in which he stands uh, before us. And so it says in verse 11, he saw heaven standing open and there before him was a white horse and the rider on the horse is called faithful and true. You all, the first time that we saw a white horse was in uh, Revelation chapter 6 verse 2. Now this horse uh, was actually uh, being ridden by a personification of the Antichrist. Remember, this one was coming promising peace but he was going to wage war. Remember that? Promising that there was going to be global uh, uh, ease and global prosperity but instead there was war famine and death but now the rider on this horse his name is faithful and true you are one thing about the this this scripture is giving us again another revelation who is Jesus why would I follow him what what kind of God is he what kind of person is he he is faithful and he is true what's so blessed about this text is that the, the the people of God have been waiting for millennia to finally be avenged, waiting for God to finally uh, take the kingdoms of this world and make them his kingdoms, the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, waiting for the wicked to finally get what they deserve. The Bible tells us over and over again that there have been people throughout the ages that have asked the question, why do the wicked prosper? Why do the people who do wrong always seem to get ahead? And those of us uh, who try to do right seem to always get behind. When, when are things going to be made right? And here the Bible says the rider on the horse, this white horse his name is faithful and true if God says he'll show up he will show up he may not show up when you want him to and he may not show up the way that you want him to but if he says he will show up you better believe he will show up because he cannot not do what he says he's gonna do because if he says he's going to do it he is bound by what he says because he and his word are inexplicable are you following what I'm saying so he's faithful and he's true but not only only that you all it says he's bringing justice and he's waging war you all Jesus now is not coming back coming in on a donkey Remember, remember the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and he's went riding a donkey. Remember that? And they're bringing the palm branches in the land. That's how Jesus came into Jerusalem, getting ready to be murdered, getting ready to be spat upon, getting ready to be betrayed, getting ready to be lied on, ultimately getting ready to be publicly murdered. But you all now when he comes on the horse, he's not riding a donkey, but he's riding the white horse of victory. And when he's coming, he's not coming, you all, like he did then to bring peace he's not coming to bring reconciliation but now he's coming to bring judgment and he's coming to bring war you all let me tell you something yes Jesus is merciful yes Jesus is forgiving yes Jesus is love remember that old song by the Commodores or was it Lionel Richie Jesus is Anyway, don't, don't, don't hate on me. All right. all right. Bottom line, Jesus is love. All right. We know that he's love. We know that he's kind. We know that he's merciful. But y'all, I don't believe that we also know that Jesus is just. 
and he is a judge and he also will wage war. We only have one aspect or one revelation of him that is not the totality of who he is. He's coming back the next time you all not to redeem, not to save, not to show mercy, not to show compassion. But when he comes back again, riding on the clouds on the white horse, he's coming to wage war and he's coming to bring judgment. And you all, I thank God that you want to be on the right side of that relationship. You don't want to have Jesus come back and wage war on you and you're not ready. The Bible says in verse 12, his eyes are like blazing fire. You all, the Bible tells us, and there's other examples of this in the scriptures that we see uh, earlier in Revelation. And, and his eyes were like blazing fire because you know what? God can see the real you. Oh, you can show other people the you that you want them to see. But God can see and knows the real you. His eyes are blazing fire and they're able to see and penetrate into the very heart and soul of man. His eyes are like fire. And unlike the beast, you all, who had a victor's garland, we found out that the beast, the, the Antichrist, was wearing a crown on his head, uh, symbolizing uh, the earthly kingdom that he had built. Look what it says about Jesus as he comes back on this white horse. It says he is on his head, has many crowns. You all, uh, there's a word for that. Uh, it says he will have many diadems, right? Crown him with many diadems or many crowns. Jesus is so bad. He's like, I just can't have one crown. I need many crowns because the crowns that I have will show that I am king over kings. A king can have a crown, but a king of kings got to have many crowns. Oh, I thank God that when we get a revelation of who Jesus is, he not only is coming back as a judge, he's not only coming back as one who wages war, he's not only, only one coming back who looks through all of the facade that we set up and sees what's really going on in our hearts, but he's also coming back, you all, as king over every king. He will have many crowns. I don't know about anybody else but this is exciting me to know that this is my king listen I, I don't I, I don't know about you but I'm glad to know that I got a relationship with that kind of guy I, I, that guy that you that I'm all talking he's my God he's my is there anybody grateful that the guy that we're reading about is your king hallelujah I don't worship an antichrist I don't worship a beast I don't care if it's Donald Trump or Joe Biden or Jill Biden I don't care who it is I serve Jesus the king of kings and the lord of lords hallelujah it says he has many crowns and he has a name written on him that no one knows but himself you all I love this part because remember in verse uh, chapter 2 of Revelation, just make a note of it, chapter 2, verse 17, the Bible says that God is going to give each believer a stone, a white stone with a name written on it that's only a name that he knows between us and him. <laughs> in other words, Jesus has a name written that only him and God knows. And you got a name written that only you and God knows. That reminds you whose company you in. See, there's some people that don't really know who you are. They know the name that you were given by your mama or your daddy, but they don't know the name that was given to you by God. And, and there's something intimate about that name. Have you ever been with somebody you like and you had a name for them, like, you know, my sugar plum or something? You know, you don't want everybody to know that name. Because that's an intimate name between you and the one that you love. Are you following what I'm saying to you? Well, there's a name that God is given to Jesus that only he knows. And he has that name written upon himself. And look at this, you all. The Bible says in verse 13, he's dressed in a robe. That, well, that makes sense. We've seen him in many robes. But no, this robe is different because this robe has been dipped in blood. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 63, just make a note of this, Isaiah chapter 63, verse 3 and 4, that he's going to trample out the wine press, right? He's going to avenge, he's going to avenge those who are his children with the blood of the enemies. And so now this warrior has made his robe red, dipped in the blood of battle. 
Jesus is not coming, you all, just as a suffering servant anymore. He's not just coming as a Messiah. He's not just coming as one to show compassion and mercy, but he's coming as a judge and one that will actually wage war. His robe has been dipped in blood. Hear me well. If you have a proper view of God, you will actually have a proper response to God. And a God that's only nice and kind and lets you do whatever you want to do and there's no judgment is not God. That is the American God. That is a false God that we've lifted up, that he's somebody that stamps our behavior and blesses our mess. How dare people put Jesus in the midst of their mess? God, would you uh, let me be with this person and you marry? God, would you open the door for me to get this situation and it's illegal? How in the world would you put Jesus in a context of something that would not be honoring to him? You all, we've got a wrong view of God because many of us only see him as this nice kind of little weak something. Oh, no, he is he is kind. Yes, he's a lamb brought to the slaughter, but he's also the lion of the tribe of Judah. Don't get it twisted. He's a lion and a lamb. And unless we have a full context of who he is, we'll only worship one aspect of him and therefore never understand the totality of his nature. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? If you only know one aspect of him, you will never worship the totality of his nature. Yes, he's a lamb, but he's also a lion. And he comes back, you all, and when he comes back, his robe is dipped in blood. And here's what I want to focus on. And his name is the word of God. <laughs> this name is the word of God. John, you all, if you don't know, John, the one who wrote the book of Revelation, is also the apostle who was the beloved of Jesus, but he's also the one who wrote the gospel of John, right? And so remember John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then in verse 14, it says, and then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, even as that of the begotten of God. And so, you all, we see now Jesus in the book of Revelation once again revealing himself. But as he now reveals himself as the word, the word is not coming to save, but the word is coming to judge. Same word. The word is not coming to bring comfort, but the word is now coming to bring and execute war. He is the word. He is the manifestation of God's revelation, and he is God himself. And you all, that is why I focus so much on the Bible. Now, I know some of y'all are all the Bible written by the white man. You know, we've been, listen, y'all, let me say this. The Bible has been under attack long before America existed. You know, let's not get into the arrogance of a young country that's only been around a few hundred years. The Bible has been attacked by many people throughout ages as tools uh, to be used by uh, people to oppress people. I believe it was John Marx or Marx, the Marx people, Marx guy said that uh, it is the opiate of people. It, it makes people drunk and, and kind of delusional. And so religion or Christianity is like a drug to people. So there are people that will discount the Bible. And there are people that will discount the word of God. But let me tell you something. Until you try it, you don't know the power of it. Until the word of God becomes something more than a book on your shelf. Until the word of God becomes something more than something you pick up conveniently on Sunday to follow along with my sermon. Until the word of God becomes something uh, greater than just uh, an idea, but something that you build your life on. Until it becomes that, you will not know the power of it. But if anybody has ever taken the word of God and placed their trust in it and seen God move, I just want you wherever you are to just give him praise because you know the word works. I know it works. I know it works. I know it works. I've seen it work. I've seen the word of God work. And so the Bible says that when he comes back, you all, he will come back and he will actually, and I love this, he will be called... His name is the word of God. His name is, I love Jesus. Do you love the Bible? No, not so much. Something's wrong with you. How can you love Jesus and not love the word when he is the word? 
You can't decide how you're going to love which part of him. Well, I love Jesus. I just don't like the Bible. Well, then you don't love Jesus. I love God. I just don't like the Bible. Then you don't love God. Because you cannot divide or separate God from his word. Because, listen, because God is so infinite and God is, is spirit. To find a way to manifest or to make himself known to humanity, he had to reveal himself through something. And the greatest means by which people communicate is with words. So he manifested himself in the word. But then when people couldn't understand the written word, he became the living word and the word became flesh. So there would be no excuse for meeting God because you had his written word and you had his manifest word, which reveals the nature of God himself. Are y'all following this? And so you all, it's critical that you, that you find a relationship with the word of God. Verse 14. He didn't come alone. I love the fact that when he comes back, you all, to finally end this, uh, this, this mess down here, he won't be coming alone. Look what it says. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses themselves and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. When he comes back, you all, he is not coming alone. Now listen, there are many commentaries, and I've read several of them in preparation for each sermon. I read so many commentaries, and many people say that these are the angelic hosts that accompany God. I, I don't necessarily believe that one, but, but let's just say that's true, and it's fine if it is. Bottom line, I don't care who it is. They're coming back to uh, make things right. Uh, they're coming from heaven. They're not coming from hell. So I'm cool with that. So uh, the Bible says that these horses will be coming, but then there will be people on the horses. Uh, or There will be entities on the horses, and they will be wearing, uh, look what it says, dressed in fine linen, white and clean. What does that sound like? Last Sunday, remember we talked about that? Uh, when the Bible says that uh, there were people that were standing in, in heaven, and they had garments at the wedding supper. Remember the wedding supper of the lamb? And their garments were white and clean, and they were fine linen. And they say, well, what is that? It is the righteous acts of God's saints. And so I believe you all uh, that based on what we just saw in the previous chapter, that these individuals that are coming back are the called and chosen ones, the resurrected ones who have been glorified, it, glorified and were raptured at the beginning of the seven year tribulation, but now are coming back with. Listen, listen, if Jesus, who was dead and his rays can come back, what makes you think that others who are raised cannot come back? In other words, people say stuff like, well, I can see why Jesus could come back, but how in the world could just regular old Christians or regular old saints who have died and went to heaven, how can they come back? Same way Jesus did. If Jesus has been res resurrected and given a glorified body, the Bible calls him the first fruits. Can't be first fruits, and there's not going to be second, third, and 20,000 fruits. And so, therefore, if the first fruit of the resurrection can come back, so can the remaining fruit. And so now those who are uh, arrayed in linen and white and bright, they're coming on horses as well. And they're coming with Jesus and they are coming to do what? Verse 15, coming out of the mouth of Jesus is it says, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And then they give us a reference, you all, to Psalms 2 and 9, which says he will rule them with an iron scepter. You all, many people believe that this is a literal sword, but the book of Revelation is filled with many ideas and many concepts that are really uh, kind of um, uh, ideas, but not the actual thing, right? And so this is not a literal sword coming out of the mouth of Jesus, but it literally is the word of God. The word of God, the Bible tells us, is the sword of the spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? If the word of God is the sword of the spirit, then when Jesus comes back to execute judgment, he does not have to pick up any earthly weapon to do his work. All he's got to do is speak the word. Now, let me get to this because I opened up the sermon by saying the title is Jesus Revealed or give me the word. You all, when God spoke 
everything that is into existence. He didn't get a committee together. He didn't get together some kind of um, uh, uh, architectural firm or figure out the, uh, what do they call the civil engineering arm of the government? No, no, no. He doesn't need anything but a word to make things happen. Let there be. And then whatever was on the other side of whatever he said, let there be, it became. You know why? Because his word is powerful. Listen, there was never anything. There was nothing. The Bible says the earth was formless and void. Nothing. Nothing. God spoke into nothingness and the power of his word created everything that exists. And the same power of his word has been placed inside of his word. And when he comes back to judge, he does not need armies and he does not need swords and he does not need tanks and he does not need rockets. All he needs is his word. And let me just say this to you. Why you think you need money and you need friends and you need influence and you need people in your corner. You don't need none of that. All I submit to you, you need is a word. If you get a word in your belly, if you get a word in your mouth, you can speak the situations and you can speak the circumstances. And if the word aligns with the will of God, God will turn it around. But you can't speak a word that you don't know. That is why it's so important to be in a Bible-centered church. That's why it's important to be in a Word-centered church. Because when you know the Word, the Word can work. Oh, I feel God in here today. I've applied the Word to situations, and I've seen God turn it around. Because I knew what God's Word says. And if God's Word says it, listen, the Word of a doctor is not the final word. When you don't know that, the only word you can go by is the doctor. When you don't know the word, the only word you can go by is your economic status. When you don't know the word, all you can go by is what your boyfriend or ex thinks about you and your self-identity is wrapped up in what people say about you. But when you know what God's word says about you, it doesn't matter what you think about me. It doesn't matter what the doctor says and it doesn't matter what my economic situation is. If God be for me, who can be against me? Oh, you better hear what I'm saying. You, some of y'all don't know the Bible. That's why you ain't got no strength and no joy. <laughs> but when you got a word in your belly oh when you got a word in your spirit you're able to face some situations that other people fall out about you're able to deal with some stuff that other folk go cuckoo about when you got a word in you <laughs> the bible says he comes back and he doesn't come back with swords and shields of man but he comes back with the word mm. The Bible says, I'm done almost. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. The Bible says Jesus, the one who's coming on the white horse, the one who is faithful and true, the one who has the armies of God behind him. Look what he's doing. He is now bringing out the fury of the wrath of God on those who decided to not follow God. Get the mark of the beast if you want to. Serve the Antichrist if you want to. Oh, well, Pastor, I'm in 2021. I don't know nothing about no Antichrist. I don't know nothing about no mark of the beast. That ain't me, dude. That's some futuristic stuff. That ain't even me, bro. Oh, you may not call it the mark of the beast. You may not call it worshiping the Antichrist. It might just be you worshiping your Dodge Charger. You know, there's a Dodge Charger club. Uh-huh. And you, ain't gonna, you, ain't go, you can't go to church because you got to meet on Gratiot. You got you to race somebody. You got to, oh, uh, no, 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 I can't, I can't go to church because it's Memorial Day weekend and I got to go to Belle Isle. Vaccination is over with. I got to go to the club and turn up. And I'm too tired from last night to be in the presence of God. The same God that allowed you not to die of COVID. Now you got the nerve to not give him glory. What in the heck is wrong with you? You ought to be the first one at church saying, God, thank you for letting me live and not die. 
He will tread the winepress of God's anger over the unrighteousness and the middle finger that you've been given to him. Because that's what you've been given to him. Your life has been giving God the middle finger. What you going to do? What you going to do? Who you think you are? Look at my Fendi purse. Look at my Louis. Look at my red bottom shoes. Look at my whip. What you going to do? Look at where I live. Look at my house. Look at my TV. Look at my sound room. Look at my chair. God says, I will judge you. You might get away with it right now, but you will not get away. Now, you all, some folks say this is fire and brimstone. Anybody that knows me knows I don't want you to perish. Ain't nobody judging you. you I ain't better than you. There's nothing better about my life than your life. The only difference in my life than your life is that I surrendered myself to the one who is God. It just simply means that I'm a wounded soldier. I'm not all perfect, but I know that when the judgment of God comes, it won't come to me. Not because I'm right, but because I got my hand in the hand of the one who is right. And that's all God wants you to do, my brother. That's all God wants you to do, my sister. This ain't no church to bring judgment. Too many churches are judging folk like, like they can't be judged. This ain't that kind of party. But I'm duty bound to tell you that you will not stand before God giving excuses. You will not stand before God talking about, well, you know what I meant in my heart. No, I do know what you meant in your heart when you put your finger to me. Tupac, you're awesome, man. You really are. I don't know where you at. But Tupac, this is what he said. Tupac said this. Tupac said this, man, and it's the truth. Can't nobody judge me but God. And you know what? As a result of that, that started a movement. And you know what people say? Look, no, you ain't God. You can't judge me. Can't nobody judge me but God. Oh. So you mean to tell me that judgment is reserved to God. Huh. So have you read about how God judges? <laughs> Since you're going to put up, can't nobody judge me but God. Have you thought about how God judges and who God judges? He judges everybody that has not accepted him as his as Savior and Lord, Period. And the Bible says he is now treading out the wine press of his fury. Verse 16. Now, listen, let me just say this. This is a funny thing. Somebody said this is this is why if Jesus has a tattoo. (laughs) Then I can have a tattoo. On his robe. And on his die. Please don't nobody go out here getting no tattoos on their thigh because you said. But I'm just saying, this is what, on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, if I ever give a pass to a tattoo, I'm cool with something that's going to give God the glory and not, you know. (laughs) Now, what you did before Christ, come on. We ain't, we ain't, we ain't, ain't nobody judging all that. But don't you be a child of God in a tattoo parlor talking about, I want a skull. I want a, uh, I want a crossbone. Uh, you know, <laughs> come on now, really? All right. So Jesus now, when he comes back on his robe and on his thigh are written this. King of kings and Lord of lords. As he's getting ready to wage war with the Antichrist and the armies of God, that are, the armies of God that are assembled in heaven and the armies of men that are assembled in Armageddon, he says, as I come, let me tell you who I am. Since the Antichrist has told you who he is and the false prophet has to proclaim who he is, let me tell you, I am first of all king over every king, which shows my complete complete authority over humanity and I'm Lord of Lords which shows my complete divinity over divinity King of Kings was an earthly term and the the term Lord would only be ascribed to God he said I'm King over Kings and I'm Lord 
over lords. And so the Bible says he saw John, another angel, standing in the sun. You know, angels are some bad, bad entities that can stand in the sun. Not, not, not standing in front. I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice. I love it. Let me say, I'm about to God is so bad, what he's about to display shows his complete uh, disregard for this assembly of humanity trying to come against him. <laughs> See, humanity think that it's God in one corner and the devil in the other corner. He's a created being. He is a fallen angel. And you think that he's on par with God? So when God gets ready to wrap this up, I'm going to show you how cold God is. The angel is standing in the sun. He ain't saying nothing to the armies, ain't nothing to the king, ain't nothing to the Antichrist. He speaks to the birds. He speaks to the vultures who are flying in midair. Come together. For the great supper of God. If I was a bird, I'd be like, what we going to eat? I'm glad you asked. Verse 18. So that you may eat the flesh of the kings, the generals, the mighty of horses and the people on them. And the flesh of all people, free and slave, great and small, who have not accepted Jesus Christ. It's your feast day. He says, I want you. That's right. He said, I want you birds, vultures to eat the great supper that I'm preparing for you. Y'all going to eat like y'all ain't ever ate before. Verse 19, then John saw the beast, the Antichrist, right? And the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war. Remember the Bible told us that during the time when the judgment was coming to Jerusalem, remember it said that the Euphrates, the river dried up to make way for the kings of the east to come to the, to the place called Armageddon. Because Armageddon would be where all of the armies of the world would gather to fight in this cataclysmic battle against God's people, all right? But the Bible says that they were gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But look what verse 20 but the beast was captured. <laughs> you know what I love about this? Not one blow was made. Because God only spoke the word. I don't need to raise a sword. I don't need to have a battle. Because the battle is in the word. <laughs> so he, it says, but, but, you know, but the beast was captured. The Antichrist was captured. And with it... <laughs> He ain't even a person. With it, Satan, you are it. Uh, and with it, the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf, and with these signs who had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image, and the two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Now, it's not the end of the story, because God has them there for a while, well, he gets ready to take, we're going to find out, he gets ready to take the throne for a thousand years to give the earth a sneak preview of what it's like when God's folk in charge of stuff. <laughs> then he's going to release the devil again and then judge him eternally. But right now, to just show who, how bad he is, while they down there with all their armies doing stuff, you know, like the, you know, the different armies that go in China and stuff, they be doing stuff, <laughs> you, know, you know, they be doing stuff. Different, honestly, I thought they'd be tired doing that. You know, Americans, we lazy, we just be walking <laughs> Koreans, they be like this. They be, they little, you, you try to move some of these big old Americans' legs up in there. We ain't about to move nothing. We be like walking like this, trying to make it. All right. Bottom line, all of these armies, all these formations, the Bible says that instantly the beast, the false prophet, thrown into the fire. Verse 21, the rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse didn't even need the rest of the saints with the linen because the word that was coming out of the mouth of Jesus is all that was needed to kill the oppressor.
Let me say this to you, child of God. If you get a handle on the word and you know how to let the word come out of your mouth, you let the word fight your battles. Don't you dare engage yourself in battles that are not yours. The battle is not yours and it never has been. The battle has always been the Lord's. But when you don't know the word, you can't wage the proper warfare. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. When you know the word of God, you can speak things and things will shift. The rest will kill with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse and the, all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. That was the end of the battle of Armageddon. Don't even seem like a battle. It just seemed like they were all gathered together doing all their stuff, all their little tents and all their little water bottles and all their little juice and walking around and sharpening their sword and doing all this stuff. And God comes back on the horse and says, die. <laughs> and y'all two boogers, hellfire. <laughs> Done. <laughs> End of story. You all, I pray in Jesus' name that you would look at the battles that you're trying to fight. And ask yourself the question, why are you making yourself so tired? Why are you wearing yourself out when all you needed was a word? Because the word works. And Jesus has shown us in this text that the Antichrist and the false prophet with all of their pontifications and all of their pride and arrogance were brought to nothing by the word of God. But the most important thing in this sermon is this. When Jesus comes back again, he's not coming back to give you a chance. He's coming back to judge. You say, well, pastor, all this is way in the future. What if I die right now? The Bible says it's appointed to man to die. And after that comes the judgment. That means that even though we're not in revelation times, the moment that you and I die and both of all of us going to die, we face judgment. Here's the question. The same way that God was able to judge the whole world was so seemingly callous and instant and, oh, man, what makes you think you and I would be any different when he has to then judge us, right? So the only way for you and I to be exempt from that kind of judgment is to do what he says that these people did not do. They did not worship Jesus, but they actually worshiped false stuff so my brother my sister and even those of you all who are church folk but never really got saved because there are many folk that go to church that never really surrender to Jesus I was at a church once I think I said this to you all Citadel and I was preaching a revival I will never forget this and I was at the end of the sermon I said every head bowed every eye closed if if anybody's here not, I mean, you're just not sure if you died, you be in the, you, you really want to raise, the pastor of the church got saved. And when it was over, I thought maybe he was rededicated. He said, you know what? No one's ever just, I just had to say, when praise God. I just had to walk away like, wow. This wasn't, this wasn't a small situation. It was not, you know, it was a number of people there. And he just had not made that personal decision. And he was leading God's people. There are many church folk that can do a lot of church things and not really know Jesus. And so this is no judgment, but I believe that if you heard this message today and you were really encouraged to know if you're a Christian that, man, Jesus is going to make this stuff right. But if you're listening, you say, man, I don't know Jesus. And I don't want that kind of judgment to happen to me. There's a way to escape it. And the way to escape that kind of judgment is to accept Jesus as your Savior every head bowed and every eye closed. God, thank you so much for giving us a revelation of you. In the Greek, the word revelation means kind of snatching the, the veil away so we can see. Jesus, we can't see you. We, we don't know you. We can't see you. We can't touch you yet. And we're seeing through a glass darkly. 
But thank you that your word gives us revelation. And so today we've got a chance to see you, God, not just as the merciful God and the caring and the loving and the salvific Savior that you have been to us in the Gospels. But now in the book of Revelation, we see you coming back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, executing judgment on behalf of God. God, we want to be those that you call your own. And those that are listening now, if you are listening and you've never given your life to Jesus, what does that mean? You've just never said, Jesus, I can't, I can't do this alone. I surrender myself to you. Holy Spirit, would you help me? That's all it means. And you know what? It's a journey. And so if heads about, eyes are closed. If you are listening and you've never made that decision to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, to be the one that you surrender your will to, would you do that now? One of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger. There's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased. But where do we go? How do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life. In Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are, that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer, but be a doer, and let's change the world. If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us, and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, please contact us at area code 313-871-FORT, or please visit us on our website, Citadel of Faith. Dot org that's simply spelled c-i-t-a-d-e-l of faith.org all one word we would love to hear your testimonies we would love to hear your prayer requests know that you're in a partnership with us and you're not in the journey alone let's change the world together one person at a time